0: we Oh, yes, we are here with Sam Pology, all the way from Mianjin slash Brisbane and it's so Sophia Moly the Bose, Talking to him Sam about music that hit different for you Sam take us back You're 35 years old. Take us back 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 to when you're a young tacker a little tacker and the first time music Affected you in a very deep way
1: Um, It was probably like young young my dad playing in the orchestra, driving around the car with him, he'd have Classic FM on. And honestly, like, I wasn't into it at all. But then one day I went to a concert and sat in a hall, you know, like a proper orchestral hall that's like designed to basically, there's no speakers. It's just like the instruments go into the room and they hit you in the chest and it feels good. And it was like this realization of like, whoa, this is really physical and I love classical music in this context, not so much in the radio, but yeah, I feel sorry for saying that, but you know, um, but, and then the other thing at the same time, when I got like, maybe like a few years older, like singing in a choir, um, being in a massive cathedral that holds like maybe a couple of thousand, maybe a few thousand people. And you're literally, if you think of like a piano chord where your hand's playing like four or five notes in a choir, like you're in the middle of the hand, like here you're in the middle of the chord and you're hearing the person next to you and across from you but then also the most like legitimately beautiful reverb you've ever heard in your world off in off like sandstone walls coming back at you and you're in the middle of this like blissful chord that was like me young and then when i turned 15 or 16 it all kind of got pushed aside for you know for a while before it came back full circle and i got into more electronic and hip-hop music Take us
0: back. So, the the thing happens at the concert hall. Walk yep. out of how how elevated are you feeling?
1: Yeah, pretty elevated. It was just more of like the thing that stuck in my mind it was like, I was like, bro, it hit me in the chest. Like, it, like it, you know, like the music, physic, like it physically hit me in the chest. And I feel like that's what I like in going to a club or like a live music venue is like. I don't mean it like, um, hits me in the chest, in my heart, like, even though it does, like, I mean, it physically hits you in that you can physically feel like the sine waves, like hit you in the chest and it physically feels good. Big speakers and good music.
0: First time I went to a blue light disco, I went, I went <laughs> in by myself to meet up with friends. I was 15 I'm playing Arrested Development, Tennessee, and I'd be bumping that on my first ever big hip hop band because I was kind of into God. I was kind of into God <laughs> and probably gave me scared me. <laughs> and, just, and, and, and for that to just cascade upon me and my whole person, it was just like, I was just like, fuck, oh, I think I've told this story a different before. I was like, I think I'm going to like this whole discotheque thing. <laughs> mm. My God. This could be my place. And, you know, all these years later. That, that was confirmed. So, yeah, that feeling of just, you know, your whole body is enveloped. And even years later on Easter Sunday when I saw Nine Inch Nails at Alternative Nation and the last the last people of the day, last band on, and that and started closer. My ribs actually hurt the way they were rattling. I <laughs> didn't take it back, you know, for a second, take that moment back for, for a second. Actually, I would. I would love to go over and over again because it was like we literally walked out hoping we'd see closer and it was the song. Halfway through the set, the night snails were playing. And whole damn thing. Changed
2: everything. That's
0: right. What next, Sam? What, what was the next thing, next bit of music that perhaps you heard from Rage or heard in the car or wherever?
1: We'd go down to a little bit past Bow Desert, this family escape, a uh, Christmas time thing on like a cattle property. There's no TV, no phone reception. And we'd be there for a week every Christmas me and my siblings and family and aunties and uncles. Um, And it was that, it was like, I think it was like grade... 11 into grade 12, since I left you, Avalanche's album came out. And basically that was the album that I took down. You know, it's that time in your life where you're really a sponge and back then it's, it's, you stuck with things a little bit longer maybe, but I feel like it's more about like an age, like that special age in your life. There's so many layers in that album, obviously like, and just rinsing that album, like over and over again, looking out at the hills going for a walk down to like, you know, jumping in the creek, coming back and just being in like the back bedroom where my siblings are out, just listening to that album on my little Disman. And it's just like, I spent a whole week listening to that album, literally. And it's just like, physic, like it formed part of my biology a little bit. Yeah.
0: It, it totally um, did. It's Tempology Biology. That Flight 22 was after Honolulu. Flight 22. <laughs> was... Things along the way that you just... Mm. The textures are that crazy. Uh, is anyone going to May eighteen over to see them in Adelaide? The Symphony Orchestra play that record in full. Oh no, I didn't realize that. Was I'm
2: going to be in. I'm going to be in Brisbane that date actually. So unfortunately, no. But
0: you guys can hang out together. I can call you live from there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah,
2: can yeah. patch in. Hell yeah. Patch in.
0: Awesome. So, so you do that grade eleven, grade twelve, and then from age seventeen, you're in the Miagin clubs throwing down. Yep when did you know you were ready to start DJing and what were the, you know, do you remember the first songs that you kind of opened with?
1: I feel like I was just like, I just had so much blind optimism and like feeling of like, I need, to, I need to share all this music. Like the people need to hear it. Like it wasn't even about like skills or anything like that, even though I was, you know, my first thing was getting the scratching and whatever. So I feel like I had some skills, but like, it was just more like, oh man, like, holy shit, like, this song is amazing, like, the pe- people need to hear this, like, um, that was my first, you know, few years of DJing, and that's probably still, like, a feeling I have about DJing, of, like, getting excited about music and just, just like, oh man, like, people need to hear this, or people need to hear this, hear this song that's, like, I think is so peak time, this, like, Latin or, like, jazz or Brazilian track from 1979, you know, seventy nine right at like 12.30 at night, peak time after a house record. Like it's, they don't know it, but it's like, this is a peak time record. Um, so yeah, that was the first, uh, yeah, I I talked earlier about like the first club experience and that was a revelation. And then yeah, maybe technology kind of started like coming in a little bit because the first few years of DJing, I was carrying crates to clubs. And then, um, Serato came out, which allowed you to like, I'd record my housemates, saying Samphology or like other messages. And I'd like, I'd play them through the, the DJ setup as like a point of difference. Um, so that was, it seems so like basic now, but like at the time it was like, what, how are you scratching that thing? Like that, how did, did you, what? And then, and then like a few years after that, that same technology came out that you could DJ with videos. And that was just like a, oh man, you can flip videos. Um, and I can, you know, juxtapose this against that. So yeah, there's all these little incremental things. that was like kind of the possibilities of things. And I, I feel like when Serato came out, when Serato video came out, I remember thinking like the opportunities are crazy. Like everyone's going to jump on this. Like people are going to like, so I'm like, I need to like get busy. Everyone's going to get busy and it's going to be amazing. I need to like get running. And not as many people jumped on that stuff as, but like, I think that's what made me go hard at the start of.
0: That's what gave you that that name as well, you know, talk about earlier the, the Bacardi Express, where I first saw you, like, you were doing that shit and it was like, like, everyone was like, how, how has he found time to put this together because of the two elements and to be blending them it's, it's not like, hey, this record goes with this record. It's like you're really having to.
1: You know what it was? It was sleep deprivation, which I thought was amazing at the time, but like, hot tip, it's not the vibe. But <laughs> <laughs> at the time it was. It's not. You think like, oh man, the sun's coming up. Like I'm out of it. I'm kind of, you know, I've never been a big drug person, but like I'm kind of druggy or whatever. And these cool ideas are coming to me because I'm sleep deprived, but it's not a vibe because you, you, it takes you two days to feel like a human being after that. It's that, that was like probably why that was one of the reasons like that stuff wasn't sustainable. It was just like, man, it's just so much work. And it's funny. I have... Like talking to video editors that work on different kind of projects. There's a, what's the term? Um, it's like post-traumatic all night video editing syndrome or something like that. Like it's, it's real. Like people that edit video know that, um, yeah. feeling hard. Just,
0: just flip back for a second. What's the Latin track? Cause I need a few more Latin tracks in my set.
1: Oh, I mean, there's lots. Um, I've got a playlist in my, in my thing. <laughs> it's called it's p- called Peak Time Jazz and Conga. So any track that has conga that's like... I mean, there's, honestly, there's, there's so many tracks, like Brazilian tracks, like Batucada tracks that... Um, I mean, an obvious one is Taj Mahal, a track called Taj Mahal by um, a Brazilian artist. It's basically Rod Stewart went to Carnival in Brazil in like 1970s. Whenever, whatever the year before Don't You Think I'm Sexy came out and basically the chorus is is the melody of don't you think i'm sexy but it's like 135 bpm driving brazilian track but it's like da da, 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 da. so so you play oh, it wow. and it's an amazing upbeat soulful brazilian track in the verses everyone's like yeah this is cool this is awesome and then the chorus comes in and like oh, oh this is that thing i think rod stewart ended up getting sued like a year or two after he put out don't you think i'm sexy cuz clearly he he bit. Yeah. I mean, it's quite a well-known track, but it's, like, just an example of, like, a peak time. Yeah, Taj Mahal is a song. It's been covered quite a few times. Uh, yeah. Uh, Taj Mahal. George Ben. Is, I think it's George, George Ben. Or George Ben. Yeah, that's that's the OG. It's not, like, a rare track or anything like that, but that's peak time.
0: Great thing. Yeah, dude, I need it. This is good this is just not even a podcast this is just Mikey doing
2: yeah but,
0: but, do have... yeah music this is deep, a man.
2: music swap
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a hit swap i've got this Megalena track uh let's rip
1: hey, Magalena. yeah exactly okay. yeah, so yeah. Rem- <laughs> do
0: you know that
1: remix there's so many remixes yeah every one of them is amazing
0: yeah this one is just like high energy it's the wrong way But it's just this, like, it works on any dance floor and people who everybody's already on board. And then when it drops in, people are super on board because they're like, ah, you know, when you wake up, you don't expect them to perhaps dance to that music at a wedding or um, or a club. But here you are. Very good. Um, So you do this, you do this thing for a while and you're, you're, I guess, along the way, tell me about, tell us about the people that you're meeting who are like, man, this is dope. Have you thought about doing this or this is unreal? Hey, let me show you this track.
1: Um, honestly, like, yes, so many people, uh, one of my biggest musical educations was working at a record store called Butterbeats in Brisbane for four years. And honestly, like the first day of working there, my boss was like, when people come in, ask them how their weekend was or how, what they're doing on the weekend, talk to them about music for a while. And then at the end, if you think that they might like a record, like suggest it to them, like, this is the best job ever. And basically my whole, my whole wage was like going back into buying records. Um, And honestly, at the time I was young. So it was like, you know, I'm in hip hop. I'm into this specific type of electronic music. I'm into soul. I'm into funk. And there was all of these genres outside of it that, that like, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's not for me. Um, But like in selling it and being the only person in the store at the time, like I kind of had to, I had to like sell it. So I had to find the good stuff about it. And I'm like, oh no, this is, this music that I didn't think was soulful is like mad soulful and like. Or whatever, you know, like it's, um, so that was probably one of the best musical educations I've ever had, I think, working in a record store. So like through the years in being in different cities, like connecting with people in record stores has been similar kind of, um, bits of chunks of knowledge have come about and just meeting like good people. And yeah, whenever I'm in Melbourne, just like the amount of good people I meet in Fitzroy record stores has been, has been a lot. Yeah.
0: And they're constantly, there's more and more opening
2: up now as well. It's heaps. Yeah.
0: Popping off. I need to go record store shopping more. I need to, I mean, it's record store day.
2: I know. It's coming up.
0: So it's coming up this Saturday uh, for people back to the future. Are you doing anything for record store day, Ron? Or <laughs> Did you do anything for record store day?
1: <laughs> did I? Uh, I went and bought some records at a record store. <laughs> the repress, the repress of, re, went the original pressing of my album Regrowth, um, it actually sold out like a week after it landed in Australia and the repress has just Excellent. landed, Land like I've got two boxes of them, um, in the next room to drop at record stores in Brisbane. Um, so yeah, basically all of the international stock is distributed, but all of the record stores in Australia I send stock to myself because I kind of fortunately know all those people. So yeah, I can drive down to West End and drop some at Jet Black Cart and, um, yeah, catalog records in the valley and a few other places. Yeah, so that, that's what I'll be doing. I'll be dropping off stock, getting money, and then spending that money at these yeah. independent
2: record
0: stores. Yeah, Fantastic. That track uh, I've mentioned before is the Gregor Solto and Simon Faber remix of Magalina, featuring Sergio Mendes. Um, take us actually. So you're 35 years old now. Give us two more musical moments of your life in, in the last uh, 10 years that have, uh, that have really been pivotal.
1: Um, let's see. I mean, being on stage at Coco in London for the Worldwide Awards, which is a yearly award show that um Giles Peterson does, uh, and Cleo Sol was there, Children of Zeus oh, were there, uh, Slow Slowtie oh. was there, um Emma Jean Thackeray it was I uh, Coco Roco. Yeah, it was it was stacked and it was basically like it was like a Everyone did like a maybe 20, 25 minute set, but Giles came out halfway through and like did awards and hosted. It was like a live radio show. And I'd been to that venue maybe like eight years before that to see like Dame Funk and Rusty. And I saw some Flying Lotus posters up coming up and it was just like, oh, I'm in London. This venue was, it was like an amazing venue. It's really beautiful and special. So to be there, like on the the DJ's stagey thing, like playing there and on the poster with all of these people and like yeah, like jumping on a plane from Brizzy, which, you know, growing up here feels like such a small, not much going on thing. And like my, in my, in my intro to my set, I played this little section that I cut off a Red Bull Music Academy lecture where, um, Mike, Mike Banks from Underground Resistance somehow randomly said, don't move to Berlin, you know, go to somewhere like Poland or Brisbane, Australia. So I like cut that, (laughs) I cut that little thing where he's talking about like go to Brisbane and used it in my little, like, you know, at the start of my set in London at Coco at this like special night. So it was, it was like a real kind of like, sometimes you just stop and like take a little mental snapshot and try and like make a deep groove in your mind. And just so you can like have a little memory of like being there physically. Mm. That was one. That was cool. Yeah.
0: That's epic. That's so good. Mad Mike Banks, because he doesn't do a heap of talks. Uh,
1: no, he was maskless for that interview. Yeah. Maskless.
0: Wow. And up glass beams just took that mask and they ran with it very cool um and just one more my friend of just you know perhaps what's the biggest show you've done where you've looked out of the crowd going there are a lot of people here (laughs)
1: um i mean probably uh either big doubt boiler room where it was so hot that like everyone outside just came in it was I don't know, yeah, maybe 10,000, I don't know, and I was in Sydney, I can't remember, or Falls Festival, I played on the main stage for their, for both Lawn and um, Marion Bay on the main stage for like a celebration of their like, I think 20th and 40th, 20th and 30th, maybe 10th and 20th birthday, I can't remember. It was like a significant birthday and that was like, yeah, the, the Lawn main stage was just like, an insane amount of people for that that was pretty special
0: playing uh, music from what from the the history
1: it was kind of like a history of what they'd done which was like two months of work and that was kind of like the tail end of me doing my visual shows and it was so such a cool experience but I had this realization the next week after doing that special thing of like I put so much work into that show that could have been an album kind of thing and I was just like I'm really glad I did that because it was sick and like it was such a unique experience but like like my energy, like going forward, that was probably like 2014, 2015. So like, that was just before I started putting energy into more energy into like, yeah, recording and projects and not being sleep deprived.
0: Unpigeonholed yourself in the same way that the avalanches put out Wildflower. They're kind of like, okay, we're going to do a you know record, show sure, the samples of there, but we're using a lot of, you know, um, live instruments and doing it. And even the, the latest record. Which, now, the name of the latest record is uh, um, I Will Always Love You. Um, is that what it's called?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. The they're in, they're in Avalanches in Space one, yeah.
0: <laughs> so that is just live instrumentation and just being able to do that. I think you've given yourself, you know, that extra extra sort of uh, impetus in your career. and people, mm. people respond to that and go, okay, cool. You're not doing the same thing, which I think outside looking in will be the hardest thing to do as an artist is trying to like make something new and and sort of taking your fans with you and saying, no, no, trust me, it's all going to be fine, and off we go, so.
1: There was like a, you know, 10 year period where I was touring and it was kind of like that kind of maybe 2008 to 2000 and and I don't know, the 10 years kind of after that, around that kind of time, there were so many like music blogs and internet and these like new genres coming in that were like so exciting and like regional sounds from different parts of the world being like putting on the international stage. And for DJs, it was such like an exciting time, but like, I feel like a, fati- a fatigue kind of came in after a while. And the, the negative side of that, of being like, oh, we're just jumping on the next thing. And what's the next thing? Like that year kind of thing. And for me, like kind of going through that and looking at that process and then looking at myself and what I wanted to spend time on, it was kind of like, that stuff's cool. But like, it's kind of like, oh, I'd rather like make a little like path, my own little path. And actually like, I am actually fine with that path is like, it doesn't really matter how big that path is or how many people it's kind of like, yeah. Cause like five years down the path, like I'll be really happy with like the, the little huts I've made or whatever the buildings or whatever, the projects that I've released on that path. And, um, and it's cool. Like, there's a bunch of music crew here in Brisbane and around Australia, and that have connected with that stuff. And like the people, like you are young, like don't even know the visual stuff before.
0: The huts and the buildings is a very evocative uh, description. I love it, dude. Um, I interviewed Shadow years ago, and he was. I said, "What are you playing tonight?" You know, before a gig, he's like, "Oh, you know, the Trap De Jour." <laughs> Cynical slash. I just felt like he was a little bit out of touch, and he was trying to like chase the trend a little bit and to be honest i love shadow to bits but you know he hasn't moved me nearly as much as those first two records and you know we're all on our path etc he's trying to keep up with the trends and all that kind of stuff but it was a yeah it just it struck me as a little bit like oh dude really um at the same time there's some dope trap stuff out there at the end of uh our bonus episodes sam we always ask um what is the music that hit different for you most recently? And I asked first and I answered this myself. And for me, I was uh, in Halls Gap in the Grampians on the weekend and catching up with some friends we very rarely see. And it was about 1 a.m. and I looked through and I'm doing the Spotify Versus set, which is the most fun you can possibly have. Moan, <laughs> Trent Moller remix by, of Trent Moller, the track. You'd probably describe it as, as Ketamine House. <laughs> Wasn't on ketamine, but had definitely had the, the good ketamine effect of listening to it. it was on, it's on something called Jamison, I don't know if you heard of it, and we just had the best time, and it just, it just kind of came in and created a little mezzanine in, my, in our minds of like memory and and a new memory as well. So that's my music that hit different recently. So yeah,
2: I mentioned uh, in our actual episode, my partner and I went and saw uh, Mr. George Benson and his band quite recently, and on the way home we were kind of talking about a musician who's sustained. Decades long careers played with some of the greats, has kind of traversed from jazz into into soul and yacht rock and, and just everything in between. So um my partner is a jazz musician as well and he's like <laughs> we're sitting there watching him play and he's like, they opened with a with a cover of uh it was a Roberta Flack cover and he was just like I think about the jazz records that he's played on back in the 60s and they're so intricate and there's some of the records that really established George Benson as, like, this pro- sti- prodigious guitarist and this is where he's at now in, like, a shiny purple coat, just, like, sw- you know, wooing the crowd, wooing these older ladies in the crowd. And I'm like, him be. let him be. Let him do his thing. But... um. On the way home, he played me one of uh, the records he was on back in the 70s, and I've just gone down a deep uh, hole of it today while I've been working. Um, It's a record by Freddie Hubbard from 1971 called Straight Life, Uh, so-called because it was during the brief period he'd kicked his drug habit, which is an amazing name for a record. Um, But the track that I've been obsessed with is the second one uh, called Mr. Clean, and it's... um, again a great name for a (laughs) a single it's just 13 minutes of like a really sort of soulful funk influenced jazz and just hearing everybody on that record you know whether it's freddie's trumpet and flugelhorning got joe henderson on sax herbie hancock's on there as well just like all musicians at the peak of their like genre defining sort of periods of their career in many ways um and it's absolutely beautiful so even though it's it's an old record. Uh, it's I would highly recommend it if you're looking for something to sink your teeth into and and just to see how different contemporaries sort of started shaping their playing around too. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Mm. Sam, so
0: music. That has hit
1: the- I, I had something else, but I'm gonna go with a live music experience. Going off. Of being on the floor in Brisbane, um, the dance floor in Brisbane, um, a princess theater, which is a beautiful new venue. That's been uh, revamped, um, for Azimuth and Marcos Valley for their Brisbane show. Um, so me and my middle name dance band side project were fortunate enough to support that show. And it was the 10th birthday of like a love Supreme crew who run amazing parties here in Brisbane. So it was just a special love fest night and, Basically, Azimuth and Marcos are uh, like. I arrayed, the original members uh, range uh, range in age from seventy five to seventy eight. It was like better than the records. Like it was really amazing. And like speaking of like taking a memory snapshot, I remember being in the. Yeah, on the floor in the specific part of the room when they performed Jazz Carnival. I was just like, whoa, this is a moment. Like, I we got looking around at everyone being like, we can say we were there in Brisbane where they did Jazz Carnival. And, like, it was, it was really amazing to hear and look at their faces and be like, whoa, these guys are, like, in the second half of their 70s and they're still so passionate and they're still touring the world and they still have, like, career. They're still putting out new albums that are amazing and, like, sound like... You know where they came from but also contemporary and and you can do it like forever you can do it to death like it's it, i think yeah being a musician or creative you know prof- and that's your profession like it's like far out like when do i have to hang up the headphones or whatever uh so, and seeing that set was really special for so many reasons but like that was one of them that was really a good takeaway
0: terrific man e- everybody because did you, did you see it in in Melbourne? So I
2: saw it at uh, WOMAD. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, it was crazy. Just in a garden, you know, it was amazing. So good.
0: Yeah, it just what an experience it was. And uh, man, I wish I was there. But that's okay. I'm happy that for you guys to have created that <laughs> groove in your minds. I hope listeners today, Sam Pology, Sophie Molly, and me, Mikey, Carlin, created something for you. It's a three-way therapy session every week. Hopefully, it was a four-way. It ain't gave it's a four-way. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was unreal. I knew you were a great DJ and producer and human, but didn't know you were such a great talk.
1: oh thank you, thank you for
0: joining us and bringing your triple uh, A game. Access all areas. All right, friends, that's been enough for us. See you next week. Lovely to spend time with you. Thanks for giving us your time, the most precious thing of all.